with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 1 games across the NFL, and in this episode, we'll cover the top games of the week, including Sunday night and the Monday picks. Uh, Andy's going to offer the sandwich game along with the total tees, and I'm sitting on a banger of a money line Matty pick. Uh, but first with me, as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, the main man man himself andy the prognosticator atridge buddy it's another season of nfl football upon us how are the andy is nice and dandy like cotton candy um sunny with a chance of awesomeness this weekend i am so psyched i really can't even put it in words yeah i i'm i'm over the moon that nfl football is back it's like there's a big void in my life when it goes away well i go in a hibernation for a few months so you know it, it shortens the window a little bit. Yeah. Thank God for some snooker betting. Otherwise, we'd never get our fix. <laughs> yeah. It seems like D-Gen until you actually watch it and play it. It's fun. Gambling is illegal, sir. So, yeah, you are pumped. I am pumped. It's a new season of NFL football. And uh, like we mentioned, just kind of there off the top, we've got a different format for you. We're going to talk about a few of the top games for the Sunday afternoon and obviously the primetime Sunday and Monday nighters. But remember, you can always go to our brand spanking new website, almostwiseguys.com. And our picks, every pick for every game that's played that weekend will be posted right there for you to check out. And it'll be my picks and Andy's picks, too. So you get to decide who's full of shit. Hey, Maddie, uh, sorry, what was that URL again? Almostwiseguys.com. Right, so you definitely on. want to get there and check it out. And also, uh, we're on Spotify as well. So now you can get us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So you have no reason to miss a show this year. Unless you're on the International Space Station. No excuses. Exactly. And even then, I'm sure you can get satellite. You are in outer space. You. Went into outer space. You. Sure. You've never been? Should we uh, fire this one up? Maddie, let's fire it up. Oh, yeah! All right, our first game on the docket, and uh, well, it's one of the early games at the one o'clock slot. We head to Orchard Park, and uh, Bills Mafia, how you living? You're hosting Pittsburgh, game one, and your six and a half point favorites. Uh, 48 and a half is your over under, and uh, well, this is a tale of two teams, eh, buddy? Uh, it is. I mean, you've got two AFC teams who've been to multiple Super Bowls. They're both from blue-collar cities with very loyal fan bases and have built their reputations on solid D. But the Bills, however, showed their panache last year for being a very highfalutin offense. Uh, last season, they were fourth in the league in yards per game. The Steelers led the league in passing attempts per game, mostly because of their conspicuously inferior rushing attack, coming in dead last in rushing yards per game. So, how do you remedy a situation like that? Enter Najee Harris, the first-round draft pick out of Alabama. Roll time. Roll time. Now, I don't think Tomlin's going to be keeping the training wheels on this kid for very long. Dude is six foot two, 230 pounds. 
And I don't mean a Mike McCarthy-like 230 pounds. <laughs> Diabetes. Harris was a unanimous All-American, two-time national champion, first-team All-SEC, and last year's SEC championship game MVP. However, the retirement of nine-time Pro Bowl center and team captain Marquise Pouncey will be noticeable. As a center, he touched the ball every play and was responsible for dictating the blocking schemes for the rest of the O-line. Their next most experienced guy is J.C. Hassenauer, now in his third year out of Illinois, who signed with Pittsburgh as an undrafted free agent. I think this is going to be the tail of the tape. And I'm not certain that the Bills can cover a fairly big spread at six and a half. Let's not forget that Pittsburgh got off to an 11-0 start last season. And that is when they had a healthy backfield, which is definitely where they are once again. Well, health is a big thing, I think, in Pittsburgh, because I think it's... uh the Steelers are going to go as Big Ben's health goes this year, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't really have an answer if Big Ben's not there, but it's also obvious that Roethlisberger's slowing down. You know, he's the punishment that guy's taken over his career is catching up with him, and rightfully so. This isn't a knock on him. I'm actually surprised that this guy's tough enough to go this long, especially with the amount of abuse he's taken. Well, he's not called Little Ben, is he, though? hi and he's not the most mobile guy too so it's not like he's able to like deflect some of the the blows that the defensive guy's given him right he's taken a lot of that shot so on the other side of the field though i don't know if there's a fan base more pumped up to start this season than the bills mafia i mean young exciting team proved they deserve to be there in the playoffs last year and uh now you know, to begin the season, this Young's Bills defense gets to play a season opener at home against an immobile quarterback. I mean, I hope that Steelers O-line comes to Orchard Park with their A-game or it will be a long day for the Steelers offense. Well, even their A-game is still a league average C-game. They just don't have they don't have the personnel there, which is the only thing I'm concerned about right now for the Steelers because their defensive line is still one of the top five in the league. You bet. They, I mean, they boasted the number one ranked pass defense in the NFL last year, which is basically what kept them competitive in most of those games, right? But seriously, um, when was the last time that they didn't have a top three defensive line? Like, yeah, for sure. Like it's been, it, we were both born in the 70s and it was before our time. <laughs> so the Steelers definitely have always done it on defense. The Bills, though, their defense is young and they're hungry, but on offense, they still got Allen and Diggs, who combined for over 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Uh, they still have Beasley and Davis as well. And they went up and picked uh, Emmanuel Sanders up in the offseason. Uh, the Bills got better. So you're saying that me taking Josh Allen as my quarterback in two of my fantasy leagues is a good idea? I suspect you got an A for your draft grade. I will indeed. Well, isn't that special? Going to the clarification, I checked the odds. It's not 48 and a half. It's ticked down to, uh, or yeah, it's ticked down to 48 even. But my question to you, Matthew, what do you think the over-under is on flaming card tables that get smashed in by Bill's Mafia? I don't know. We should probably talk about skids, right? So how many skid. tables are on a skid? Like, let's say, what do you fit? 20 tables on a skid i'd say probably four or five skids yeah okay so yeah that sounds about right all right what do you think for this game buddy i my thoughts the bills are just too much for the steelers on both sides of the ball in fact with special teams as well i like the bills to cover the six and a half points at home um 
I just think this, the point spread's too generous in favor of Buffalo. I like the Steelers to cover it. How dare you! This is Johnny United for the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. All right, up next we head to Indianapolis, where the Colts are at home to the Seattle Seahawks. The Colts are two and a half point underdogs. 52 is your over under. Now, Andy, are you fucking kidding me? I just go out of my way to tell all the people that listen to this show that we streamline the show. We're talking only about premier games and I still got to talk about Carson Wentz. No, dude, that's, we- that's the reason why we put this into the show. He's your favorite player. How oh. could we go an entire week without talking about Carson, Carson Wentz? Let's give these people a show. All right. Well, it's not just me. Like, listen, here's Frank Reich discussing his relationship with Wentz. I work with retards. Really, what do you think about this game? Indianapolis is just a solid fundamental football team, but Seattle can put up a lot of points. Well, keep in mind that Wentz is recently out of COVID protocol. Dumbass. And he's also listed as questionable. Also questionable is his quarterback play for the Eagles over the last, I don't know, two or three seasons. Last year, he threw for 16 touchdown passes, 15 INTs, and with a quarterback rating of just under 42. He played well enough just to get the hook at the end of last season in favor of then-rookie Jalen Hurts. Now, of course, Jim Ursay made his annual pilgrimage to the Andrew Luck compound in the D.C. area to beg him to come back to the team to start under center. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if Ursay wants to get Luck back, he'd better show up to his house with some Elliot Spitzer, bring a governor down pussy. Grab him by the pussy. Until then, he better get used to a high interception touchdown ratio. What's his third down pass? Is picked. The Seahawks, they've got a pretty porous defense, and until me, they show me otherwise, I'm still going to think they're pretty porous. But I do have to say, they went out and added Antonio Witherspoon from the Niners, your Niners in the offseason, and uh, that's going to go a long way to shoring up their pass defense. They also added uh, defensive end Kerry Hyder, Kerry Hyder Jr., in fact. That brings them about eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss, and 49 tackles, uh, which is what he got last year with a pretty good Rams defense. And one other thing that's happened in the last 48 hours that they signed Jamal Adams to one of the biggest cornerback uh, contracts in the history of the NFL. So that should help. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know what's kind of weird is that's kind of the position where once you see the guy sign his big contract, his play drops off. You talking about Darrell Rivas, by the way? Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. The Colts defense, they still got first team all pro DeForest Buckner, but then I look at the rest of the D line and they're very young and unproven. A lot of like their draft picks are gonna be plug and play guys. Um, which could mean a busy day for Xavier Rhodes and the Colts secondary. Um Obviously, Darius Leonard's still a stud linebacker. Uh, he creates chaos in the middle of the field or in the backfield. Uh, but Russ has wheels, and he's still got DK Metcalf in one of the most potent offenses in the league. They got a little better on defense. Uh, the Colts will no longer have T.Y. Hill either as he's on IR with a neck injury. Well, let's, let's look at that. Again, Arson Carson Wentz, if he doesn't have T.Y. to go to, forget about it. Forget about it. Going back to your point on the uh, Colts' pass rush, the Seahawks upgraded their O-line this offseason, adding right guard Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. 
Keep in mind, they still retain Damian Lewis and five-time Pro Bowler Dwayne Brown. Seattle will also be introducing brand-new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, part of the Sean McVay coaching tree. Little Russell may not be able to cook a well-done T-bone in the pocket, but I think he can get that baby to at least medium-rare. I see Seattle pulling this one out late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you feel it's going to be pretty close? I do. Yeah. Uh, Indianapolis can control the ball, but this is under uh, a field goal. So I'm going to take the Seahawks here. I think uh, I, I think that having Wentz back there as your quarter your quarterback is a, is a handicap. I, I really don't think that <laughs> I really don't think he's an NFL starting quarterback. You would have such sentiments. So what are you picking for that? Seattle. Hope they don't shit on you, Bubbles. Shit on who? Shithogs. Big, dirty shithogs. When the Saints come marching in. When the Saints come marching in. All right, our next game on the docket. Well, we're supposed to be going to New Orleans where the Green Bay Packers were coming to town, but they've announced the new venue, Jacksonville, due to the hurricane. New Orleans, it's really hard to know what they're doing on their quarterback situation just because did Jameis Winston mature or is it going to be the other Jameis Winston that we saw in Tampa Bay that's just chucking it all over the field, right? Well, he had to, uh, Sean Payton, he had to choose between Taysom Hill, who completed exactly 88 passes last year, and then compare that with Jameis Winston, who threw 30 interceptions the year before that. However, Matthew, this will be Jameis's, Jameis's first start since having LASIK surgery. Hmm. That just means he'll be like Jay Cutler, where he, he'll actually be able to see the Packer that he throws it to. And we'll still have no interest in tackling him downfield. No, no. We all know Cutler was already lighting a smoke by that time. He's lighting a smoke and walking over to the, the sideline. Smoking Jay didn't care. Hey, Matty, uh, do you know who the fourth pivot is on their depth chart? On New Orleans? Yeah. I don't know, Tim Tebow? <laughs> <laughs> no, Ian Book out of Notre Dame. Oh, is it really? Yeah. All right. Well, only he's only got three guys to have to not do well at their job before he gets in. So go in. <laughs> there's there's two good qualified people for that right in front of him. Now let's consider this. I don't think Taysom Hill's very good either. No, he's not. I mean, he's not a quarterback. No, That's I would. I, I'm with Sean Payton. I'd rather have Jameis Winston. Yeah. Because maybe your defense can hold the. You know, if you throw a couple picks that game and your defense can hold them. Then, you know, it's because he would also throw like he'd throw three interceptions, but he'd throw three or four touchdowns. Well, yeah, he had, uh, you know, 30 for 30. But there the only for- way Taysom Hill's getting a touchdown is if he fakes like the jet sweep and runs on a naked bootleg and nobody sees him. Let's consider who still is wearing the fleur de lis for New Orleans Alvin Kamara, Traquan Smith, Cam Jordan, Quan Alexander, and Marshawn Lattimore. So they got a pretty good carry over from last year in terms of consistencies of the skilled positions. Now, did well, any Alvin Kamara is their entire team. Well, their well, entire offense. Here, here's the thing about going, the biggest transition from going from a guy like Drew Brees to Jameis Winston or even Taysom Hill was that Sean Payton will have absolutely zero faith in throwing the ball on first down. 
And when you don't throw it on first down, you almost have to run it again on second down, making a whole bunch of third and longs possible. That was what the success of New Orleans offense has been for the last six or seven years. Um, they rarely even saw third downs, right? Because he was throwing at a clip of what, 70, 75% of uh, plays were passing plays. You're not yeah, going to. He was completing over 70% of his passes or high 60s, right. you know. Now, not having Michael Thomas in there is going to be, it's going to put an even greater load on Alvin Kamara. Again, great pickup for my fantasy team, by the way, Maddie. Yeah. Well, did anything happen in uh, Green Bay this offseason? In the 1960s, these Midwesterners earned five NFL championship trophies. Green Bay Packers? <laughs> if Diva Boy Rogers didn't occupy the majority of the headlines, it would be clear that the Packers had one of the best draft classes in their history. Okay, hey, Andy? Yeah. Before you go on? Yeah. And you're going to make your case. But I'm going to put on my Swami hat here and tell you you're wrong. But go ahead. All right. You can tell me whatever you want. I do what I want. The Packers had one of their best draft classes in history. Not the best draft class. Okay. Let me qualify that. Uh, their first five picks. A cornerback out of Georgia. Center out of Ohio State. Wide receiver out of Clemson. Offensive tackle out of Old Miss and a defensive tackle out of Florida. Now, according to the Dairyland Express, quote unquote, setting the Aaron Rodgers situation aside, Green Bay had a solid draft. They added at least three players who could play right away, Stokes, Myers, and Rodgers, and added depth at a number of other key positions. They also got guys who could play on special teams, an underrated aspect considering how bad they were a year ago. Maddie, I'm not exactly sure what state the Dairyland Express comes out of, but it sounds very unbiased to me. Oh, yeah. So unbiased. And I mean, come on. Amari Rogers? What kind of nepotism bullshit's going on in Green Bay? <laughs> um, hey, going back to your earlier comment about moving this game to Jacksonville, which is a Sean Payton decision, here's five reasons why that was a brilliant idea. Number five. Money. Out of those three cities, Jacksonville is the most expensive for Packers fans to get to. Number four, didn't want to deal with Buccaneers fans cheering against them. The Saints obviously didn't want to play in a division rival city and possibly have to deal with a stadium full of Buccaneers fans cheering for the Packers. Number three, didn't want Packer fans getting a weekend vacation. The Saints thought Packer fans would flock to South Beach for a weekend vacation, so they ruled out the game at Hard Rock Stadium. Number two, Rodgers has struggled in Florida. Rodgers has played just seven career games in the state, going three and four with a quarterback rating of 78.1. And now, the number one. Florida has insane humidity. If you've ever been to Florida in September, you may have noticed that the air is so thick that you feel like you're going to suffocate anytime you breathe. The Saints feel like they have an advantage in high humidity since they practice in that kind of weather in New Orleans. Yeah, those are all fine and dandy like sour candy, as you had said early off. Um, you know, the X factor here is Rogers because he always likes to be the guy with the chip on his shoulder. And he, of course, he's got another chip on his shoulder this season. You know, even Michael Jordan thinks this guy's use of manufactured slights has jumped the shark. 
Um, but he's going to show Green Bay once again, they probably won't be able to replace his talent when he does go to the higher bid, highest bidder after this season. Um, but New Orleans, you know, they do have the best O-line in the league. Unfortunately, that also makes me wonder if that just gives Winston a bigger chance at finding someone in a Packers jersey. So this is actually kind of a tough game to call. But I'm taking, and I hate saying it, the Green Bay Packers. Maddie, I got to go with who dat damn dare saints. Let's go New Orleans. Everybody knows that the Packers Up next, a big rematch of last year's AFC Divisional Round. It's the uh, Kansas City Chiefs at home at Arrowhead against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Minus six is the spread for Kansas City, and 53 is your over-under for the game. And, uh, you know, it's tough because last, last year in the Divisional Round, they were up something like 19 or 17 to three over the Browns. And then Mahomes left hurt and Cleveland closed the gap. So it seemed closer than it really was. Yeah. What do you think about this game? Well, I don't want to compare it too much to last year. Um, When we consider last year's Browns, what we think of is that they had a really good defense. Let's consider whom they've lost in the offseason on defense. Sheldon Richardson. Larry Ogunjobi, B.J. Goodson was let go on waivers, linebacker Jacob Phillips is now in the IR, and check this out, Maddie. Vincent Taylor, Ty Davis, Tavier Thomas, and Terrence Mitchell are all now Houston Texans. They did add Jadavian Clowney and Tack McKinley to augment their pass rush. My point here is that there's been a lot of turnover in personnel on the defensive side of the ball. And now they're facing the league's number one offense in terms of yards per game. In week one, to me, this seems like a recipe for disaster as this line is still under a touchdown. Yeah, this is a very, very tempting line with KC under a touchdown. And, you know, when when you look at it, the Browns haven't won their season opener in 16 consecutive seasons. That's the longest such streak in the NFL. No other team has gone past nine. Um, the Chiefs, 7-1 and one in season openers under head coach Andy Reid, and that's since 2013. They've also outscored their opponents by 9.5 points per game in that span. And then, of course, you know, this is all over. This is like Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. Patrick Mahomes is 10-0 and 0 with 32 pass touchdowns. No picks in his career in the month of September. Is that good? So, Maddie, are you picking the Chiefs or the Browns? <sighs> You know, this is a tough one, okay? Uh, I just feel like for whatever reason, you know, everybody knows Kansas City is hot shit, right? Mahomes, Reed, et al. Um, You know, they've got this dominant team, but in week one, anything can happen. And I know this is crazy, uh, but I think this is the year the Cleveland Browns become, a you know, a team that no team wants to see on their schedule. That being said, I'm going to be taking the Kansas City Chiefs at home if it's under a touchdown. What do you think? I'm nuts. Well, I mean, do you think they might be a little bit pissed off after what happened in the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Here's the problem, though. And this is what almost had me picking the Browns. How many teams that lose a Super Bowl come back and even make the playoffs? Oh, very few. Like, right. Less than 50%, I believe. And uh, it's not like those teams weren't talented either. 
So there, there's obviously a drop. I just don't see the drop off happening with the Chiefs because there wasn't enough personnel changes, and they've got Mahomes locked up, and he's still got the majority of his weapons. So I, I guess the reason why I would take KC in Week One is I've seen more of a sample from that unit than I have from the Browns. But I do actually believe everything I said there about I think the Browns are going to become a team nobody wants to see on their schedule. Yeah, but you're going against a team that's been in the Super Bowl for the last two seasons. That's tough. Yeah. So I'm going to be taking uh, Casey. I, I assume you are as well? I am indeed. You're not going to hate man. All right, our first primetime game of the weekend is uh, Sunday night, and my Chicago Bears are heading into Los Angeles to take on the Rams. The Rams are 7.5-point favorites, 45's the over-under in this game. And, uh, dude, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It's hard to believe anything I say about the Bears because I'm such a fool for that team. So how about you take this off? What do you think about uh, the Sunday nighter in L.A.? Well, obviously seeing Matthew Stafford going against Chicago is nothing new, but having a Rams horn on the side of his helmet is. Um, it's a defense that he is familiar with. How is that going to help? Well, I think having weapons like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and now Deshaun Jackson. I mean, this is going to seem a lot more like Christmas morning for Stafford than anything he saw in Detroit since Megatron. However, the Bears have a shiny new weapon in Justin Fields. But I don't believe they're going to start him until week four, until they play the lowly Detroit Lions. Their O-line is horrific, by the way, Matthew. And Andy, the Red Rider, Dalton, cowers in the face of any sort of pass rush. Guess what the Rams did last year? They were second only to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in number of sacks registered. These two teams played each other last October in L.A., uh, with the Rams winning 24 to 10, in addition to outgaining them by about 100 yards, the real story came down to sacks. The Bears had one, and the Rams had four. The Rams also had 160 yards on the ground versus 49 by the Bears. Let's keep in mind, however, that Matthew Stafford took exactly zero snaps in the preseason. Sean McVay has a habit of sitting his best players until week one of the regular season. So you've got a new team, new offensive coordinator, new receiving core. I think it's going to take some real-time experience for those guys to gel and get some chemistry together. So that's really a chalk mark in favor of the Bears. What's your biased opinion on this game, Matt? Well, first, here. That's my cheers. The Bears. The Bears. Uh, that's my cheers to the Bears front office for the draft of Justin Fields. So let me take a sip on that before I say what I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, the Bears have a, actually a 9-2 and two record in September in the Matt Nagy era. Uh, only the Chiefs have a better record during that span. But they've lost six of the last seven season openers. And Andy Dalton is not a primetime QB. 6-17, and 17, that's a... 261 career record in primetime games. That's the second lowest quarterback win percent in primetime since uh, 2000 with a minimum of 15 such starts. Well, per 
pro fantasy football, uh, the Rams had three cornerbacks, uh, Williams, Ramsey, and Hill ranked in the top 10 among cornerback or cornerbacks of passer rating allowed last season as well. Um, so they could cover a team and they can get to the quarterback. That's dangerous. I, I, I'm really, really worried about, <laughs> about Andy Dalton for this game and whether you got to remember too, the bears already have a few injuries at a couple key positions. Their second round pick offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins is on IR and as is uh, linebacker, Danny Trevathan and Tariq Cohen is out on the, the PUP list. So it, I want to pick the bears. Uh, I really, really, really do. But um, with the absolute dominance of the Rams pass rush, I suspect Dalton will be running for his life. And, if he's got to let a deep play develop, I don't know if he will ever have the time. And, you know, for that matter, Nagy doesn't even know how to game plan. Uh, I just kind of figured he was hired because, well, he was cheap. Actually, sir, he was hired under Project Bootstrap. Thank you, President Ford. Here's an esoteric question for you, Matthew, because you know the team that well. Do you think that... Nagy is going to put Dalton on such a short leash that if he doesn't perform well right out of the gate, we might even see Justin Fields in this game. You think that's a possibility? The, no, I, Nagy's actually proven over his head coaching tenure to be very, very stubborn. Matt Nagy shouldn't be an NFL head coach. And as much like, you know, he's Henry Winkler from the water boy. This is the play. This is the play. Okay. The quarterback. Two receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. There's a flanker lined up to the left behind the quarterback. Oh, yeah. now, he gives the ball. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Now, once the quarterback has the ball, he fakes to the left. No, he fakes to the right. He doesn't fake. He, he thinks about fake. He pretends to fake. I don't know where I am. But... Aren't you glad that you've got pace as a GM to get guys like Justin Fields? I almost said that without laughing. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, well, here's the thing. I will come to bat for pace this way. He's been actually very good on the defensive side of the ball, but he's really lacked in being able to spot offensive talent, especially at the quarterback position. And uh, this was something that I wasn't, you know, nobody in Bearsland was seeing Justin Fields either a drop to us where we could get up there. Obviously, the Bears traded up, but still, um, we didn't think we'd be able to get Justin Fields. And, you know, when we did, props to Pace because he came through when nobody was absolutely expecting him through. And I imagine his career hangs on this decision. But, I mean, they're going into L.A. Matt Stafford, yeah, okay, he didn't play in the preseason, whatever. Matt Stafford can chuck the ball around the yard. And as long as he stays healthy, uh, he's definitely an upgrade over Jared Goff. I'm going to take, uh, it hurts me to say it, but I'm going to take the L.A. Rams at home. But I'm not betting on it because I'm going to be at home cheering for my Bears. Matty, I'm astonished. We're not even agreeing on this one. I'm going with your bears, and I'm taking the seven and a half points and putting them in my back pocket. I am ready. For the bears to go all the way, baby. Well, it's Saturday night, and I just got paid. Time money, don't try to save. My heart said, go, go. Have a time for Saturday night, and I feel fine. Gonna rock it up. Finally, the Monday nighter, we head to Las Vegas, where the Raiders are at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Plus four and a half. 
is the deficit the Raiders face, according to the bookies in Las Vegas. 51 is your over-under. And, I mean, the Ravens had one of their best seasons as a franchise last year. Lamar Jackson is all that. But let's face it, John Gruden can get his team fired up. People ask me, what are we doing here? Las Vegas Raiders, knees, head, knees, head, huh? What are we doing? We're winning games, man. Well, last year they beat the Saints, the Chargers, the Browns, and the Super Bowl reigning Kansas City Chiefs at the time. And this year, they've added Pro Bowl defensive end Yannick Ngakwe from the Ravens and also grabbed running back Kenyon Drake from Arizona, who had almost 1,000 yards rushing last year. And I think he's going to be a great compliment to Josh Jacobs in the backfield. And by the way, Jacobs was a top 10 rusher in the league last year. Yeah, he was. But if he wants to establish his presence on the ground against uh, the Ravens defense, he's going to have his work cut out for him. The, the whole uh, Raiders team will. The The Ravens have only allowed seven Russian TDs in all of last season, which was tied for first in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the average margin of victory was second only um, behind the Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were so close to being in the Super Bowl last year. I mean, talent-wise, they could have been there. Uh, they, for whatever reason, seem to have a problem in the playoffs, but in the regular season, they just continually kick ass i mean they've held opponents to 10 or fewer points in each of their last five season openers that's the longest active streak in the nfl uh and they love to blitz uh almost 47 percent of the time but get this i didn't realize this till i was doing my show research Derek carr the third best car uh-huh. is excellent against the blitz Carr had 16 passing touchdowns last year against blitzing defenses which were it was the most in the actual entire NFL. Well, it's a, it, honestly, if you consider the other teams in that division, like with the Broncos and the Chiefs, they blitz a lot. That's a blitzing division. You know, you're going to think I'm nuts here, buddy, because the Ravens are all that. But let me tell you something. I'm looking at this game. I'm looking at Gruden firing his team up. And not only am I going to take the Raiders with the points, they're my money line Maddie pick this week. Oh. oh! Well, what say you? Who who are you looking for this week at this game? Well, Maddie, I'm going to co-sign this one with you. I'm liking the Raiders, and I also like them on the money line. They're Raiders. Please hang up and try again. All right, and lastly, normally we do a total tease, but this week is just going to be a teaser. Uh, totals aren't the greatest thing to do as a gambler in week one. You always want to see a team in action at least once before you can start judging how their offense or defense might hold up in an actual NFL game. Uh, but teasers are kind of fun. They always make gambling on Sunday a little better. So, Andy, what's your teaser for this Sunday that's a lead pipe lock? Well, let's go to the Motor City, where my San Francisco 49ers are currently seven and a half point favorites. Now, I hate hate I hate taking road teams on the road, especially when they're favorite. But I just can't see any way in which Detroit wins this game. So, having a minus seven going through the seven, four, and the three down to minus one and a half is the first leg of the teaser. And when we like the Raiders on the money line to win, I love them at plus 10 and a half to cover the second leg of that teaser. 
I will echo your sentiments on the Raiders. I love the Raiders. If you can take them at uh, plus 10 and a half on a teaser, do so. Um, I differ with you on the first game. It's once again, I don't want to bet against my Chicago Bears. So I'm going to Orchard Park with the Steelers going to visit the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills for minus six and a half uh, down to uh, half a point. And so the Bills just having to win outright at home to cover that spread. Well, thank you for listening to week one of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. And make sure you also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week one games across the NFL. From the Coast and Oster Studios, for Andy, the prognosticator, Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out, pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around.